previously on Sweet Radu's Musically Inclined. We had discussed Ram It Down. We had discussed Queensryche Operation Mindcrime. We had discussed all the albums that we spent money in in that year. And we had started talking about Seven Sun. So let's continue. Oh, and I almost forgot. Paul brought us down with a serial killer from Japan. So let's continue with our next step in the journey to finish Seven Sun of a Seven Sun. Three. Two. One. And. All right, so welcome back. So, uh, Paul, thank you for bringing us down again. I know, two for two. Two for two today. Two for two. (laughs) It's a twofer. So... The album's concept is based on the seventh son of a seventh son from worldwide folklore. It believes that the said character has powers who either that either he holds or are given to him. He must come from an unbroken line. <laughs> with no female siblings born between and in turn be born a seventh son. So it's just seven Seven boys. As usual, the number seven is a very powerful number. In religion and mythology, the number appears a ridiculous amount of times. Seven days of the week, seven days of creation, seven-year cycle of jubilee, seven pillars to the house of wisdom, seven deadly sins, seven demons driven out of Mary Magdalene, seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, of the Holy Spirit and seven virtues. In Hinduism, among other things, the Sanskrit word sapta refers to the number seven. There are also seven chakras. In Islam, seven what? what? Chakras. They're not they're not chakras. Chakras. <laughs> if I was Irish, you would let me say chakras. <laughs> and not give me no shit. But since I come from that dead yeah. language, I can't help it. I, what white people say it wrong, okay? So don't feel so bad. <laughs> so what is it? <laughs> chakras? Chakras, okay, all right, like a shock right. system. Right, exactly. Got it. In Islam, is the number of heavens and also the number of hells because why the fuck not? In Jew- Judaism, a Jewish bride and groom are fetid. Is that fetid or feed it or fat it? Fetid. I think it's yeah. fetid. Okay, good. Just making sure. With seven days of festive meals after their wedding, known as the Shiva Verashat, seven blessings. <laughs> there are also seven lucky gods so in Chinese mythology. Just to interject, and another and... one is in, not religious, but kind of in the whole mythology and mysticism thing. Uh, the number seven also has a uh, special meaning in Freemasonry. Where. Mm. Ah! Uh, seven. You if you know more. So there, there's a line in Masonic ritual about how seven masons are required to make a lodge perfect. So they can have a minimum of three to open a lodge, but seven makes it perfect. Seven has also been in mysticism mentioned as the perfect number. So that makes sense. Indeed. Back. Back to the seventh son. In some beliefs, the powers that he has are inborn, and he got them by birth. And in other beliefs, he got them as a gift from God or from the gods. As with all urban legends, they all change depending on the region. In Ireland, the powers are gifted to them. 
In Latin America, the seventh son is also believed to be a werewolf of sorts. Uh, Ciarallo, or Ciarallo, or Ciarallo, thank you, is the name given to him in Italy, and he had the power to enchant and recall snakes. He was also immune to their venom. The U.S. version of this legend was quite weird, with a visitor stating that he walked into a small mining town, and he was told that in the surrounding hills there was a black stone through which a seventh son of a seventh son, born in the month of February, with call on his head, and he can discern with a call on his head, and he could discern everything that lies in the depths and the interior of the globe. For those wondering, like me, a call is a piece of membrane that can cover a newborn's head and face. So, in a nutshell, you are born so ready to. So, when you say U.S. version, is that like the version that has come from people moving to the U.S. and then the legend has changed over time, or is that like the, you know, native um, American? version of the legend so it i i i wanted to search more but i decided not rabbit to hole. Just yep. as long as it was uh a rabbit hole yeah but the story is that there was a visitor who went to this mining town and at the pub that he went in he was talking you know he was asking about hey what is there to see and the guy told him about this seven son of a seven son by that mining town and it, it, by it, close to the mines also. So they were, the, the guy stated that, that it just spoke about the power and importance of the mines Got it. during that time. Yeah, so I don't know where the story came from. Uh, it would be an amazing uh, rabbit hole to come through. But as I was finishing the script, I was like, this is fucking long. So I'm just going to not do that. Uh, so let's discuss these tracks, my friends. Right. Moonchild. Here is born the seventh son, and he has magical powers. Just like the angels are proud of his birth, so are the devils, who await his mistakes and demise so he may fall into their hands. I don't know how Anthony feels about Metal Hammer, but they did state that this song was based on Aleister Crowley. Uh, Aleister Crowley's book. I respect Metal Hammer. Uh, okay. Okay. Cool. So I do believe that the name may come from that, but the song to me is coming from a completely different place. There was an interview that, I, that Bruce did when this album was released where he did a track-by-track of all the songs, and I couldn't find it online, but his explanation of yeah, the song... Yeah, I, I think if you kind about. of look at Maiden in the last couple of albums, they, they start to borrow some some titles from other things and then don't relate them to the thing they borrowed the title from. So Stranger in the Strange Land being an example of that, right? So, I mean, they, they probably did borrow the, the title from Crowley, but then didn't relate it to anything he did. Statement I wasn't going to say intent. it, but 100%. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I well, I like the aspect of the uh, clean little intro that they do, both exiting and entering the album. Yes, I think that's a nice tie together. Seven deadly sins, seven ways to win. And how about the <laughs> how about the rest of the song? Oh, the, the rest of the what, Moonchild. Yeah, it yeah. took me a little bit to uh, you know. By the fourth time I've listened to this album in the past week, it's kind of really grown on me. <laughs> 
Um, but when I initially started oh. listening to the album, I was kind of indifferent. I knew I didn't, I don't hate it, but it, there were parts of it where I was just unfamiliar with it. And now that we've gone down the catalog of songs, I'm starting to hear other songs within song. And that kind of screws me up on whether or not I like a song at first. I have to listen to it, you know, four or five times before I'm like, okay. I'm over it. So this is this is how <laughs> Dead Rice breaks up. Okay. So for, for me, Moonchild comes in with like a, you know, it starts, as Paul said, with that kind of a bit more mellow acoustic, seven deadly sins. And then it comes in with a ferocity and Bruce is snarling his way through the lyrics. I mean, again, I realize statements of intent is a cliche uh, that I have started to say it so much. But yeah, 100% a statement of intent. This is exactly how they t- plan to go on with this album. Love it. This is my favorite opener of theirs. Even as much as I enjoy Aces High, I had the chance to see this as an opener twice, and this is my favorite. Right. See, and if I had done that, I probably would have a different, you know, uh, viewpoint on it. But having not been as familiar with, you know, some of the other albums, it's kind of like, yeah. At first, now I put it on and I a little bit more jumping for joy. Yeah. So during what time of this uh, process did you join? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, as soon as the quarantine started, my beard started growing a little bit further. So yeah, I think somewhere in that process. I, can see that. <laughs> I, I already knew um, coming into then... this. So it was like it's Brady's favorite album. I'm gonna be the one <laughs> talking shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hate you <laughs> so much. Oh, it's your favorite? Oh, okay. Um, oh, yeah. This is shit. Everything about this album is pure shit. <laughs> so then we got Infinite Dreams, which up until this point, it beats um, Still Life. That's my favorite oh, 100%. slow Iron Maiden song. Being the chosen one is not as cool as you would think it is. Being different... And having so many visions night after night is enough to drive anyone insane. Infinite Dreams is about a character who implores a spiritualist to unlock the meaning behind his tortured dreams. The song is about how the character of the song sees disturbing visions about afterlife and other mystic things in his dreams, but is scared about if he will be able to wake up again. It starts with a soft guitar solo, which is then joined by Bruce Dickinson singing, as well as the rest of the band. The song starts out quiet and peaceful, but gets progressively heavier towards the song's climax. And, and the not just heavier, but I'd say it speeds up. I mean, by the time Bruce comes in with the, you know, help me, help me to find my true self without seeing the future. At that point, it's, you know, got heavy, it's got fast. I mean, this is really progressive. Yeah, I think yeah. the song definitely pick like... up, picks up as you go along and build and build and builds. To the point where you're like, ah, oh, okay. Yeah. All right, how much do you hate it, <laughs> No, <Paul>? I... <laughs> as much as you want me to hate it today, no. God damn No, again, no. like I said, this there's a couple of songs on the album that I already knew for obvious reasons. Um, but listening to the album over and over and over at first, it was kind of weird. Because I don't, I don't know that does he start any other songs with basically the title in the in the lyrics, as he does with this one? Are there any other? Oh, now you have, I have to go through my whole because brain it, catalog. because it was kind oh. of uh, weird at first for me because because like one of the first thing he says is infinite dreams, 
And I don't know that he necessarily does that lyrically in any other songs. Um, but after listening to it, like I said, a, a number of times, I, I love it. I think it's it got a great pickup, starts out nice, and it builds the way it should. I'm trying to think if there's a song that starts with a title. I don't think so. So I think that point kind of caught me off guard at first, um, but mm -hmm. I, I definitely enjoy the song. You thought it was just Bruce coming through your earphones? <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, this one, does, this, one, this one doesn't really have a chorus. <laughs> like, there's no repeated kind of refrain in the song. So, like, there's there's nothing for them really to anchor a title to, aside from right. that opening line. But I guess that, you know, but you do, do hear him say Infinite Dreams a couple more times through the song. That's true. But... You don't, yeah, you're right. There isn't really like a hooky, you know, like the song that comes after this one. Mm -hmm. There isn't a, uh, a super hooky kind of uh, rhyme with it. So maybe that's why it was more seemingly spoken word than it was, you know, all about lyrics, I guess, or a, a hook. And dreams are a big part of Iron Maiden since the beginning of time. So, you know, Number of the Beast is based on a dream, Infinite Dreams, um, Dream of Mirrors. They they never let the dream thing go. Um, Dance of the Death is based on a dream, so you know, dreams are pretty much the basis of this. Yeah. And I don't know what type of drugs they're using because fuck, those <laughs> dreams are crazy. They're just eating cheese before bed. Ah, uh, shit. <laughs> well, then I should be having I should have having some dreams because I love eating cheese, buddy. <laughs> Monty, this fact is just for you, Paul, to get you out of the salty, <laughs> salty sea. Monty Python's Gra Graham Chapman is an art teacher in the video for this song, and it's his last appearance on film. Or right. Or I, I, what's that? I was going to say, or as we call him in England, Graham Chapman, as opposed to Graham. Graham. Graham yeah. Chapman. Because he's not a fucking <laughs> It's not a cracker. That's right. Um, cracker. I didn't realize that this was his last appearance on film before he had died. Um, but I did watch the video earlier this morning, which is, you know, as as an 88 video would look. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I thought that was cool. I really I always love Monty Python. So for me, it was always a plus. Not my favorite. No, video. no, I, I didn't say anything. That was great about the video. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, not not my favorite Maiden video. The the the, the Eddie pulling the little guy out of his belly. Was the <laughs> yeah, part. yeah. Song was written by Bruce, Adrian, and Steve, and it's about a young man trying to find the answers to all of the supernatural shit that is going on around him. This poor kid only wants to fucking sleep, man. He goes to an old prophet and tries to get answers that he's looking for. But when he doesn't get the answer that he wants to hear, both he and the old prophet get mad at each other. Your soul's gonna burn in the lake of fire. And the song was originally a ballad called On Wings of Angels that had been written by Adrian Smith. So Adrian's well, got quite been... like the, the commercial slash pop mindset after Wasted Years and then this. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and um, yeah. I wonder what... That seems, seems weird to uh, try and call this on the wings of angels 
<laughs> from Can I Play With Whoa. Madness? You know, On the like, Wings of Angels. I mean, it's got the same yeah. number of syllables. <laughs> True, but I would, I don't know. It would just, I think it would be like a totally different sounding. On the Wings of Angels, there's no vision. There. <laughs> right. <laughs> The song was a ballad, so I'm assuming it was like, give me the sense to wonder. And I can hear that. I can definitely But the song that. is anything but a ballad anyway. I mean, it's super popular. No, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I read somewhere, and I forgot to add in here that, that when they did the change to the song, um, <laughs> he did like the change in title, but he was not happy. So, um, Something that blew my mind. The song was featured in the UK version of Now That's What I Call Music Volume 12, which was released in 1988. Um, that album also has songs by Maxi Priest, Belinda Carlisle, Elton John, Heart, Banana Rama, which I wrote. <laughs> and Morrissey. That's... Yeah, that's kind of a weird mix to get yeah. a like. Hey, check out this! I got this, you know, cool CD, man. Pop it in. <laughs> I mean, I th- I think it just says like how commercial this song was. Was this was this was this the way you were expecting yeah. me to have some criticisms? <laughs> okay, then no, no I actually no, don't. Not here. Um, not here. I mean, I I like yeah. it. It's uh, the tone of it's a little jarring with the rest of the album. I mean, it is a little poppy, but. In isolation, I think it really works. It's a good introduction to Maiden. Probably pulled a few kind of casual metal listeners a bit more into metal. So I don't hate it. Nice. Nice. Uh, Paul? Any hatred? <laughs> Always. <laughs> of course. No, I no, actually over time I really dig it, but this is one of those songs where I'm I may or may not skip it. Um Though I listened to it, you know, like I said, I listened to this album like five times this past week. Um, and I skipping moon. No, I didn't skip any. I didn't, I don't skip songs, but you know, this is one of those where, like, you know, it's very poppy, it's very catchy, where you can listen to the whole album. And the one I come across and come, you know, come away from the album with is Can I Play with Madness stuck in my head? It's yeah. Catchy Though well. there are a number of other songs later in the album where that kind of gets removed. But when I'm going through the album, that one is just like, okay, get out of my head. That's enough. <laughs> well, we, we haven't even gotten to my favorite song. Oh, I know. Me either. either. Me neither. Uh-huh. Ah. Ah. Nice. <laughs> the evil that men do. The title of the song is taken from Marcus Antonius speech while addressing the crowd of romans after caesar's murder act three scene two of the forum in william shakespeare's julius caesar the evil that men do lives after them the good is oft interred with their bones bruce dickinson may sometimes repeat this before playing the song but with the order of the clauses reversed like he did in uh, the good that Rock men do is often interred with their bones but the evil that men do 
lives on. And then all the fucking real people are like, whoa, oh, 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 that's the best place to play, it seems. God damn, this song it fucking does. rules. Yes, I agree. And it's and it was always fun to play, even though somehow me and Jerry always managed to fuck up the intro. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how or why, but for some reason one of us always managed to screw up the intro. But this it is. It is this very fun song to play. I mean, I think it says a lot about this song that, you know, when they did um the A Matter of Life and Death tour where they played the entirety of that album and then a, and then five songs five as songs. the encore this was one of the five classics that made it in i it's mean such it's, a good song. it's we still haven't fit, hit my favorite on the album but this is really really fucking good i agree uh, and the dog also approves yes which helps so that's four <laughs> yes in this song yeah it's it's just like everything about it. and and here's the thing about it. it's a short progressive V song with a metal vibe but it's still approachable so it's kind of like a step a step above can I play with madness a couple steps above can I play with madness but still something you can everybody can get along to that song you know it's not something that's just so for Rock in Rio was my um, basically my second maiden album right Brave New World, then Rock and Rio. Oh. And because Rock and Rio was a live album and, and went through most of their career, you know, with a, a song or two from each album, this really drew me into wanting to listen to more of Seventh Son, um, which meant Seventh Son was, you know, one of the next ones I got. And holy shit. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those songs that live or in studio is so enjoyable. It just, I like, there are some songs that I prefer live because whatever energy they're bringing this song, it doesn't matter. It's just, I can hear the, the studio version. I can hear a live version and I'll still, and everything just clicked. Shit. Like you, you hear the guitars, the drums, Steve Harris's galloping bass line, Bruce coming in, doing his air raid siren thing. And it all just clicks together so well. All right, come on, Paul. <laughs> no, I, there's nothing to shit on for that. Oh, okay, okay, all right. We're, we're done good. I don't know what's going on. I'm a little worried. Uh, so I'm saying it, the, next the, the album start. that's what I'm saying, after listening to it, the album started off weird, and then as it gets on, it gets way better. And then after about the third time, second or third time around, I was like, okay, I'm okay. It was just an initial jarring start. I'm gonna go in a break. <laughs> you're like you're like ten minutes away from my house. <laughs> seven son of a seven son is next at nine fifty three. The title track is the longest song off of the album, and it was mainly inspired by the sci-fi novels, as we already mentioned from Orson Scott Card. They are about Alvin Maker who has second sight and the ability to use what is called in the book of folk magic uh, in an alt <clears throat> I'm sorry, that made no sense. So I'm going to say it again. And he has the ability to use what is called in the book folk magic in an alternate reality. 
he is a seventh son of a seventh son, and the first book in the series is adequately titled Seventh Son. So, I fucking love this song. Is this the one that you should? I was going to say, this, this is the one I have a little bit of a problem with. <laughs> here we go. All right, I join in the party at- today. <laughs> yeah, so, here we go. Uh, musically, I think this song's really good. I have a one big problem with this, and that's I think it's really lazy songwriting when the chorus is just the title of the song repeated over and over with nothing else. So you don't like the whole seventh son of a seventh son of a seventh son of a seventh son? Yeah. Like, the, 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 no, the, no, no, it's seventh son of a seventh son. So the, <laughs> the evil that men do gets away with it because it's, it's the evil that men do lives on and on. It's just not the evil that men do, the evil that men do. But this is seventh son of a seventh son, seventh son of a seventh son. And, and to me, that's just lazy songwriting. And, and that's different. the only criticism I have. <laughs> This is not the. This is not the criticism I thought you were gonna have. What did you think the criticism I was gonna have would be? The prophecy. Uh, I mean, we'll get there. I, I, I guess. <laughs> the truth. I, 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 the truth is out now. No, no, no. We'll come. We'll come back to out. it in a minute. Yes. And, and my thoughts on the prophecy. Uh huh. Go ahead, Paul. Do you have anything else to say about this perfect song? <laughs> Nothing. It's absolutely amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Lies. No, Lies. actually, I really, I really enjoy it, but I, I find myself getting lost in it at times, and I don't know if that's because I'm not either a familiar with it or familiar with the lyrics, and I, I feel, you know, I feel like a weird ebb and flow. Not that it doesn't work, and it isn't a good song. I just there are parts of it where I don't know it comes across jarring, and I kind of lose sight of what we're what it was. And then it's like, oh, the course. Okay, I got it. You know, maybe that's because it's nine minutes and 53 seconds. So just like some of the other epic long songs, you have this portion of the song where it's kind of like, where'd we go? You know, so maybe that was, you know, kind of my uh, my disconnect at this point. But I still love the song. I think the, the not the problem with the song or, or the thing that kind of helps people check off of the song is that the second part of the song is completely like once Bruce is done singing, he's gone, and then there's like four minutes. Right. To go so maybe song. maybe that's what it is. It's I kind of you kind of check out a little bit, and for me, um, I you know up until I I was trying to pay attention to it, I honestly couldn't tell where the end of Seven Sun ended and the prophecy began. All of a sudden, it was like, "Oh, wait a minute, we're on the next track." Yeah, and I think right. that's on purpose. So, and I think that's where I, you know, like like you were saying, you kind of check out, and maybe that's what it does for me too. Is I just get to that point, and it's like, "Oh, okay, instrumental next song." Oh, wait a minute, no, okay, now I'm back. You know, probably my favorite lyrics from um, from uh, Bruce about something like this, um, because when I went. <sighs> Well, let me rephrase that. Since I went to get some info on the Seven Sun, because I took most of their information at the time when they said it was a sci-fi book, I was like, I ain't not going to read that. When I went to search for information now for the podcast, it was almost <laughs> word by word what Bruce wrote on the song. Like, <laughs> literally. 
here the bird from an unbroken line, born the healer, the seven his time. You know, it was just little little bits and pieces were changed to make the uh, to make the story flow because they I'm sure they had to change some lyrics to make the story flow. You can see that more in the Evil Dead Men Do. There's there's actually a four bars of lyrics that are printed on the album that he it's not what he sang, and he sometimes does that really four bars live. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the song is like, to me, is an excellent exposition piece, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I can agree with that. Anthony, you have to shit on that too? <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> who, who, who are you? Prophecy has my absolute favorite Maiden poster for this tour. And they did have a ton of great posters. But this one with Eddie just sitting there writing a quote-unquote prophecy with a fucking ball on top of his (laughs) desk is amazing. What happens when you're finally in tune with your powers and then no one believes you? This is what you were born to do and then they all laugh at you. And then when we get past the event, they blame you for it. You cannot win. All right. So this is... Bring that <laughs> one you thought I was gonna shit on. And this if you had asked me a week ago, I would have told you this was the one song I couldn't remember. However, I've listened to this album three times in the last week, including once this morning, and I really like this song. I think that me previous too. Anthony didn't appreciate it, but now I've re listened to it, now I'm in my bluntly early 30s um i appreciate it a lot more than i did in my teenage years and i get it and i like it a lot so kind of i would have shat on it i'm not shitting on it anymore wow all right paul do you want to come in and shit on it? no not really i i really i i do enjoy this this is probably one of the more you know like on some of the albums where i don't know i kind of feel like anthony did originally it's kind of one of those where it just kind of passes by, but after listening to the album, um, I think I did. I think I did five times. I, I even listened to it again this morning. Um, I really like the way that it goes with the story. There's nothing super that jumps out about the song for me, though. But like I said, it comes out of the seventh sun right into there, and then all of a sudden, I have to. I'm paying attention because I've realized it changed. And next thing I know, the song's over. So um, it can't be that bad if I'm enjoying it that much. I think it's the shortest song on the album. It just goes into it, into it, solo, and then it's over. It just ends. They have another verse, and that's it. 
Uh, I like the duality of the uh, Bruce Dickinson vocals coming in from one side and then coming from the other. If you hear it over your headphones, mm. at least when I had the cassette, they came. That's no, probably it's probably still panned that way. I just haven't listened to it in that manner. The Clairvoyant, the first song that was written for the album. The song was inspired by the death of psychic Doris Stokes. The thought, I wonder if she could foresee her own death, is the basis of the song, and it fit greatly with the story of The Clairvoyant. I'd uh, have to say this is my favorite song on the album. Yay! Yeah, yeah. well, uh, Max introduced this to uh, Priest as a cover, and I had never heard the song. I mean, obviously, I listened to the album before, but never paid that a close attention. And this this song is, yeah. for me, absolutely amazing. Anthony I know, Science right? is scaring me. Go ahead, sir. This yeah. is the best song on the album and possibly the best song Maiden have ever recorded. <laughs> wow. Oh All right. God. Okay. Um. I don't know. Maybe I have some nostalgic memories of this, and and maybe being a bassist, that intro to begin with. Doo -doo -doo -doo, yeah. I mean, it it's. I mean, holy shit! And you know the the album cover is kind of set in like a snowy, icy place, right? I mean, in here mm -hmm. it's clearly yes. a sea, but I I remember I was listening to this. I think the first time I listened to this album straight through was I was in the back of the car. My parents were driving. We were driving in, uh, it was either the French Alps or the Swiss Alps. And it was like October and there was snow everywhere. And I have such clear memories of like driving through these mountains, being in the back of the car and like hearing this song with the snow outside, it, it really kind of evoked the album. Like, thematically in my head yeah i could i could definitely see where that sticks in your mind and you know paints a, a nice picture for it yeah and then on top of that i mean the, the musicianship on the clairvoyant the vocals the way bruce sings um the bass the um, it's just it's a perfect song for me you know if, if we were rating every song out of 10 this one would get an 11 <laughs> don't even look at it <laughs> i i am i am i am spotless I, I, I have nothing to say i'm speechless look i didn't even i, I forgot <laughs> to speak english i'm spotless <laughs> and speechless did, did did you think this would be my favorite song yeah, uh i thought your favorite song was gonna be actually i thought it was gonna be either the clairvoyant or seven sun oh okay yeah i thought those were gonna be and then with paul I thought his favorite song was going to be um, "The Evil That Men Do." I can say mine, mine's probably the clairvoyant, followed by the evil that good men, the the evil that men do. <laughs> there, 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 there. The evil good, the evil good. Maybe men. I can talk nice. properly as well. <laughs> no, I feel I feel like what I have is like the coronavirus. It's just it's, it's creeping into your ears, <laughs> and you all forget how to speak. You forget. It's English. just what the clairvoyant yeah. does to us. We it's so good. We all forget yeah. how to speak right. English. <laughs> I absolutely love the song. I don't think there's a bad song in this album. But Radu's favorite song is only the good guy. Uh. The demon in your mind will rape you in your bed at night. 
of his path and after finally following his destiny. No one believes him. He's an outcast to his own people. The people who he has come to save with his powers. What else is there to do? He has been cursed by his own powers and he still can't make anyone happy. The people are never happy. It is time to end it all. It has my favorite Maiden lyrics ever written. It has my favorite um, chorus ever written. I fucking thought about killing myself so many times through this song <laughs> during my depression. Wow. It was, it, yes, it was. But you know what? At the end of the day, it was something that Bruce said in an interview. Um, he said, um, at the end of the day, he, he commits suicide and then he goes to hell and the devil wins. And I was like, no, I'm not going to be a number for anyone. So this song helped save me before I had my dogs. Um, afterwards, when I went through the other depression with sickness and all that stuff, my dogs are the ones who saved me. But before that, Only the Good Die Young um, was my saving grace. This song, to me, is... the I don't think Bruce in Iron Maiden will ever touch my soul as much as he did with all the lyrics measure your coffin doesn't measure up to your loss the demon in your mind will rape you in your bed at night it's just there's so many there's so much dichotomy in this song that is my favorite i mean it's it's an amazing song that that's part of the problem with this album honestly is the majority of it is so good like this song would be a would be the standout song on almost any other Maiden album. And for me, yeah. it's not on this album. And that's just because there's so much other amazing stuff here. And probably wouldn't have stood out for me if it hadn't touched me the way it Right. Did. I mean, I, I love so. this song. It's, it's got everything I would expect from a classic Maiden song. It's got phenomenal lyrics. It's got the kind of quintessential maiden musical sound uh you know steve is just thundering away on that bass. yeah the guitarists are in top form like bruce's the bruce's vocal sound i mean again this is close to a perfect song but it's probably my fourth or fifth favorite on this album and that just shows how good this album is and it's very difficult to imply sarcasm when you're singing mm-hmm. and i thought bruce did it perfectly <laughs> he's good with that yeah, i think it's a british thing song more than anything <laughs> now nah, you think we have a british one here he's never sarcastic <laughs> be the... i mean we basically invented well, sarcasm. I, 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 so i believe you guys call it being cheeky <laughs> That's a little different. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about those, those different things some other time. Uh, yeah, so this was the, to me, the measuring stick for all Maiden. And the reason that I am not as cruel with the rest of the Maiden catalog as everybody is, is probably because I feel like they reached their peak with this album. So, I, I am not as like, oh, fuck. Because, you know, No Prayer is next. And everybody was like, oh, my God, this album is terrible. Is it terrible compared to Seven Sun? Yeah. But I, at my age, I knew they had reached a peak with this album. 
you lose Adrian. You lose pretty much your direction because you're going in a different direction. You're going a little more gritty. Uh, it's not going to work out the same way. Yeah. So maybe that's no, why. Well, and your, your major songwriter is gone. I mean, he you know spent how many albums in a row writing hit or piece of this and that and the other you know and wasted years two minutes to midnight yeah i mean so you've you've got this list Um, of songs that he did and it's like okay well that writing partner's gone so you know and is this is where they pick up yannick or jerry's favorite and um jerry explodes (laughs) yeah we should have Jerry here just come shit on Jerry for hours. I mean, I think, you know, you're, you're right, Radu. This is this is where Maiden peak. At least this is one of their peaks. I yes. think we all kind of see them reach these kind of heights again. But it's going to take, you know, 15 to 20 years before they get, get there again. And it's normal. They lost so much in, in such a – in two years – there's no prayer in two years from now. Yep. So they lost so much in that time. So, but this is this is the peak. The peak tour wise. The peak, man. I so wish you had seen that tour, Anthony. You have no idea. So um, when they did the somewhere back in time. When this came out, oh, somewhere back in time. I was gonna say somewhere the, back in time. The somewhere in time tour. I was like <laughs> six months old. Yeah. I wish uh, you could have been there, man. Wish yeah, you could have been so, there. Yeah. Me yeah. too. Yeah, you're probably shitting your pants during this album. I mean, literally. Literally, Literally, yeah. No, but the Somewhere Back in Time tour, I wish you had been there so you had a chance to see that stage. Yeah. That was the tour that Paul missed Alice Cooper because he hates the world. Yeah, uh, because apparently I thought there was a third band and Chick-fil-A was more important, I guess. (laughs) (sighs) But you got to see Maiden. And that's yes, that was amazing. awesome. And I have a cool picture of myself out in the lawn with my cardboard guitar, ripping it up during Maiden. <laughs> anyway, in closing with Sweet, Sweet uh, Seven Sun. I would say it's I a mean, fantastic album. I mean, an- another good one for sure. One of the best, if not the best. I mean, I, I, I honestly don't feel like I need to say more than that. We are very happy that you guys have decided to join us. Next time, we will be here for um, No Prayer for the Dying. And I (laughs) am very excited (laughs) about that year. A lot has changed in Maiden, and uh, I'm sure Anthony will have a lot. Are are we going to call him Public (laughs) Enema number one? So many things have changed. Bruce's singing's changed, um, and, and and it's on purpose. And I don't know why. <laughs> the, the every it's just everything's changed, and it's not, noticeable. And yeah, we will we will discuss anyway. Um, Paul, <laughs> deadrights.com. Otherwise, you know, Paul Catapano, and pretty much anywhere you can think of. 
Oh, and also, I just want to make mention, if anybody who is listening is curious about any of the things that we are talking about, please leave us a message or uh, communication of some sort, and we'll definitely uh, chat about what we discuss with you. Watchers in the Fourth Dimension, sir. Where can we find uh, you again? You can find Watchers in the Fourth Dimension on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, uh, or watchers4d.podbean.com. Hey guys, so that was the end of Seven Sun, and I know that we kind of ended it a little uh, dark there with uh, talking about depression and suicide and thoughts about killing yourself. So if you are having any suicidal thoughts, or if your depression is taking over and you haven't reached out for help, please do so. Uh, you can talk to a family member, and if you don't have any family members you can talk to, because I don't. Talk to a friend, and if you don't feel comfortable talking to your friends, then find a professional. And if by any chance you don't want to get to where uh, you have to go to a professional to talk, there's always a su- the National Suicide Prevention Line, so please call. And that number is 1-800-273-8255. That is 1-800-273-8255. See you next week.